So welcome to day two of full GDUI programming. This is Andrea Judici. I'm the program team coordinator, uh, excuse me, I'm the convention coordinator and program planning team lead. And uh, yesterday was fabulous and exciting. And we had a wonderful start on Saturday night when we did our um, showing of a couple of the episodes of Pick Up the Litter, the docuseries. Today we have two amazing presentations. I'm so excited that everyone is here. I have been reminding myself about the raffle, but of course the raffle tickets are closed and we'll be doing the drawing of the raffle later this afternoon. We did have a very successful, um, I think we have sold over a thousand dollars worth of tickets. Oh, great. That's wonderful. It's fantastic. Um, and right now we have a technology presentation that I'm going to, first Maria is going to give the codes for um, the CEUs and then we're going to turn it over to Steve and Adam. I just want again to say thank you for everyone for being here, for your patience with this new system and for your spectacular attendance. All right. Thank you, Andrea. So these CEU credits, again, this applies to those who have chosen the continuing education option when registering for convention and who have paid for continuing education credits. There's a starting and ending code. I will give the starting code now and the ending code at the end of the session at uh, 2.45. I'm going to repeat this starting code twice, and then I will not be able to give it again. So uh, kindly be ready to write it down if you need it. These, both of these codes are going to be five characters, a mix of letters and numbers and not cases. Sensitive. So here is the starting code. It is C as in Charlie, Z, the number zero, letter B as in Bravo, E as in Echo, and the number nine. Again, that is C as in Charlie, zero, B as in Bravo, E as in Echo, the number nine. Back to you, Andrea. Great. Thanks so much, Maria. I want to um, start right in. At the moment, our plan is to have Steve and Adam give their presentation. At the end of each section, they'll take questions. Um, if that continues to work, that's how we'll do it. However, if I fear we're going to run out of time, we'll change it up and they'll do questions at the end. So hopefully we can do questions as we go along and make it a little more dynamic. That would be our choice. Um, Steve, Adam, thanks so much for being here. If you could introduce yourselves and, and take it away. Thank you, Andrea. I'm just picturing myself standing in front of all of you with a microphone because that's what I want. So I am Steve Famigletti and I am the Blind Services Vocational Manager at the NEAT Center at Oak Hill in Hartford, Connecticut. NEAT, N-E-A-T, stands for New England Assistive Technology. And I have been in my role for 14 and a half years. And I'll let Adam quickly introduce himself and then it'll come back to me. Hello, I'm Adam Kozakowski. I'm an assistive technology specialist on the same team as Steve. Since I've only been here for about two years, my introduction will be proportionally a little bit less <laughs> by comparison. But yeah, um, I really enjoy working with Steve and have the opportunity to co-present on topics such as this, and um, happy to get started. Steve? Thank you, Adam. So my presentation is called Hidden Treasures. I, one day I was sitting around and thinking about how much technology I use and how many like things are built into technology that people might not really know about so much. And I thought about what if I gave a presentation that was sort of 
maybe just some useful tips for using certain pieces of technology and um, maybe some pieces of technology that are built into um, technology that um, people might not know about. So um, I just want to give you a very brief um, description of myself so that you all kind of know. So I've been working in the field of assistive technology for 22 years now. And I, that scares me because it seems like a long time and, and all that. So I am legally blind. I have no usable vision in my right eye at all. And in my left eye, I do have usable vision, but it's really hard to explain other than to say that if I were to read print, even the largest print, I have to have the print or the device like touching my nose in order to read the print. Um, but yet I can look out the window and I can see when there are leaves on the trees, I can identify the clouds in the sky and the sun and the moon and all those things. So my vision's really weird. Like it's useful to me, but it also does kind of get in my way. And I'm legally blind since birth. I was three and a half months premature at my birth and I have retinopathy of prematurity. Um, so, um, I feel that it's important to share that with you because when, whenever I go out and I'm going to buy something, I always like when the salesperson says, oh, I use this because it makes me feel like they're giving me a very valid answer. And so whenever I come to presentations like this one where I'm not the presenter, and I find out that the presenter themselves uses the technology or they have the same issues that I have with my, with my vision, it makes me feel better. And so I, I really wanted to share that part of myself with you all and uh, let you know a little bit about myself. And one other little piece is that I do have a guide dog named Joel from Guiding Eyes for the Blind, who is a 10-year-old, happy, goofy German shepherd who still acts like he's three years old. So anyway, um, the first piece of technology that I want to just dip into a little bit is the iPhone. And I just want to talk about some things that I've done with my iPhone to make it work a little bit better. And I am a voiceover user on my iPhone. I am also a voiceover user on any Apple device like iPhone, Apple TV, or even the Mac computer. And as the operating system of the iPhone has evolved, they have implemented some great features into it besides voiceover that have made it useful. But there's still some things I like to do with my iPhone for myself personally that I think make it run a little bit better. So while I'm talking to you all, I'm actually going to be kind of looking at my iPhone and just giving you kind of a roadmap since we're not in person and we can't, you know, necessarily be hearing or seeing what we're doing. So because I'm a voiceover user and I'm a screen reader user by default, even on a PC, and we're going to get to that in a little while, I really feel like if I had 20-20 vision in both of my eyes and I had the luxury of looking at my screen, that would mean that I could get my work done really quickly. But because I'm using a screen reader, I just feel like there's more steps that we have to go through to do things. And maybe that makes it so that 
maybe it takes us a little bit more time, maybe. And so I want to be able to do things fast. And so what I like to do is make my devices work as fast as they can. Because if you think about it, whether you're using an iPhone or a, a computer, when you turn on a screen reader, you're taking up resources that sighted people, if they're using the exact same device that you are, and they're not using voiceover, and they're not using a screen reader on a PC, those people, their machine that they're using is the resources are not being taken up to the same level. Because we're turning on a screen reader, we're immediately using more resources and that can potentially slow the device down. So um, I want my device to run as fast as it can with a screen reader. So in my iPhone, there's a couple changes that I like to make. One of them, just from a perspective of usefulness is I do not want my um, screen orientation to flip between landscape and portrait because it's, I have usable vision and it's confusing to me. So I recommend that on your devices, whether you're using an iPhone or an iPad, I lock the rotation so that my device doesn't switch from portrait, which is up and down, to landscape, which is left to right, because you're changing the orientation of your screen. If you flip your device, if, if I have my iPhone standing up so that it's um, up and down, and I take my iPhone and I put it flat down, my screen orientation might go from portrait to landscape. And that annoys me, and I can't even imagine what it would do to someone who has no usable vision, because if your orientation changes, then all your gestures have to change because where things are have changed. So what I would do is I would go into the control center of my iPhone and there is a button there that says um, lock rotation. And if you double tap that button, you can, you can lock it so that it stays in either landscape or portrait, whichever one you like. And it's not going to change your rotation on you automatically that can be really disconcerting to people. That's the first thing I do when I'm setting a device up for someone who is blind or my own personal device, I lock, thank you. Is that for me? <laughs> Adam brought me a glass of water. Um, I lock the rotation in my device. I just, that was the first thing I did when I got an iPhone. Um, and you can do that by going to control center and if you swipe through the buttons, you'll find a button that says, um, lock rotation it's either on or off and you can double tap it and it will lock or unlock the rotation this is not something that you have to do um, some people might like it the way it is but i just think it makes it easier um, the next thing that i like to do on my device is and i'm looking at my device while i'm talking to you is i like to go and <clears throat> My apologies. I am someone who has some low vision. So what I like to do is I like to use a combination of large print and speech. And sometimes I will just use voiceover. And sometimes I like to just look at my screen and read myself what 
I'm doing because I can. And so what I have done is there's two things that work really well for me. And one of them is in the newest version of iOS, Apple introduced a setting called dark mode and dark mode allows you to change the um, contrast on your screen. For those of you who do have some usable vision, um, the typical way that an iPhone would look would be if you go into messages, for example, you'd have a white background with black text. And for me, the white background gives me too much glare. So I like to change it. And the mode that I like to put it in is called dark mode. And what dark mode does is wherever it's supported, it takes the background and it makes it a black background with white text. And for me, that white text, I can read it more easily and the dark background does not hurt my eye. And so dark mode is something that I like, I like to turn on and you can turn dark mode on. If you go into uh, settings and you go to display and brightness, and there are two buttons that show up. The button on the left says light and the button on the right says dark. So if you tap dark, it turns on dark mode. And I really like that. And so I use dark mode all the time. That was a feature that Apple put into the Mac and they moved it over to iOS, which is great. The other thing in where I am right now that I like to take a look at is a setting called raise to wake. This is, this is under settings, general um, display and brightness. And I keep raise to wake turned off. And the reason I do that is because I'm a person who carries my phone around in my pocket all the time. And so I don't like the phone, you know, picking it up and then having it wake up because I picked it up. I want to turn my phone on when I want to turn it, you know, like wake it up when I want to wake it up. I just, I don't like it coming on like automatically like that. So I turn race to wake off. I just think it's, when it first came out, it really confused me. And it, a lot of my students were complaining about it. And I prefer to, if my phone's on the table and I get a text message, yeah, I know I got a text message, but I don't want my phone like coming on when I pick it up off the table like that. It just bothers me. And it, this again could be a matter of someone's personal preference, but I, I keep raise to wake turned off. Underneath raise to wake is text size. And if I were to tap on text size, then I can change the size of my text. And this is only supported in apps that support larger text. But I happen to have my text size set to 100% so that I can read things on my phone if I choose to, or if I just want to use voiceover, then I would use voiceover. I also have bold text turned on and bold text is located directly under text size. And let's just see if I have anything else changed in here. No, I do not. So if I go back to um, settings, 
one of the things that you all might have noticed in the latest version of iOS is that Apple put accessibility directly in settings. It used to be we had to go settings, general, accessibility. Now, if you go to settings, accessibility is right in that main menu, which is fantastic. So under accessibility, obviously I use voiceover and um, there, for those people on this call who, again, have usable vision, under accessibility, there's something called magnifier. And I love the magnifier. The magnifier uses your device's camera to magnify things for you. And so if you turn on the magnifier, then you can have it whenever you need it. And I use it all the time just because, again, I have usable vision and I am not going to use this magnifier to read a book, but I can use it really quickly for things like if I get some mail and I just want to know who the mail is from, I can quickly turn the magnifier on and say, oh, that's from my credit card company or that's from Guiding Eyes for the Blind. And it just, it's helpful to me. And I like to use it for reading uh, package directions on something. So I keep my magnifier turned on and it's also set up so that I, my iPhone is actually very old. So I still have a home button on it. So I have it so that if I triple click my home button, I can use the magnifier by triple clicking the home button and it comes on and it's quick and easy. And it's interesting, Apple does a little bit of redundancy. Right under the magnifier, there's something called display and text size. So if I look in here, I've got bold text turned on, I've got large text turned on. Uh, I also have button shapes turned on. It used to be that when you turned on button shapes, it made the buttons easier to locate. Uh, these days, I'm not sure if that's still true, but I still keep button shapes turned on because I just think when I'm flicking all over the place with voiceover, it might make a button easier for me to find. We were literally looking at that right before we started this because we wanted to see if with any updates, if button shapes changed at all. And neither Steve or I could figure out visually what it was doing, <laughs> to, be, yes. to be quite honest. Yes. Um, but that is the gist. It's supposed to make buttons like have a higher contrast with the background or something like that. So it's more easily uh, recognizable visually. Right underneath. Um, okay, so that's button shapes. Then there's on off labels and there's something called reduced transparency. And I keep this turned on as well because it improves the contrast by reducing transparency and uh, blurs on some backgrounds. I'm reading what they have written verbatim. I also have something um, right underneath that called increased contrast, which I have turned on. And just looking. Okay. There is a setting. What's that? You want me to do those? You were thinking about it. Yes. Um, 
So that's all I would do in there. I'm going to go back one screen back to the regular accessibility um, screen. And you might notice there's something there called spoken content. There's a lot of people that I work with and maybe a lot of people on this call who do use their vision because they can. And I always say to people, if you can use your vision, use it. It's very, very difficult, especially for those of us who are in a situation where our vision is deteriorating. You don't know how long it's gonna take for that degeneration to happen. And if you've been living your life as a visual person, it's very hard to have someone like me come along and say, stop using your vision. I can't tell you to do that. And I don't think that that's appropriate. And so what I like to say to people is, try to figure out what you do best with your vision and, and what things you can do without your vision. And so that's why for me, I wanted to go through some of these settings on here that are visual because a lot of people might not know they're there. And if, if their font was magnified, they might be able to get by sometimes for certain tasks to do this. So um, there's something here called spoken content. And the reason I'm discussing using vision right now is because people who are visual people often have a very difficult time adjusting to using only a screen reader because a screen reader's job is to communicate visual information to people who can't see it. And so if you have usable vision, a lot of people I've worked with, when they begin to transition over to a screen reader, they find it to be giving them too much information. And they find that there's no way to completely customize a screen reader to only read what they want. That's a very hard thing to do with a screen reader because that's not why a screen reader was invented. So some of these devices now are putting things in there that are really helpful. And one of them that Apple put in is called spoken content. So if I go into spoken content, we're not turning voiceover on. This is a separate entity from voiceover, it's spoken content. And what it means is if I, when I go into spoken content, the first thing that I encounter is something called speak selection. And if I turn it on, what it will do is it will bring up a button on the screen where you can select the text that you want read. And then you swipe down with two fingers and it only reads what you have selected. And so for people who are beginning to transition over from magnification to screen reading, this is a really cool feature that they can use to get used to having text spoken out loud and using synthesized speech. Underneath um, speak selection is something called speak screen. So when you turn it on, what it does is you swipe down with two fingers from the top of the screen. It's actually the same gesture that we use in voiceover. When you want voiceover to read all the contents on your screen, you swipe down with two fingers and it reads. And so you can turn this on. And if you're not a voiceover user, you can use this to just have it read the screen. You, you turn this on and then you swipe down with two fingers and it reads the screen. 
And I think that these are two really useful tools for people who are just starting to use a screen reader and, and, and where they're just starting to, to get into um, using a screen reader and getting used to the synthesized speech, but they don't need it to read every button and every label. So I think that that's a great feature that a lot of people probably don't know about. Um, okay, so I wanna stop with iOS right now and ask if there's any questions. All right, if you would like to ask a question, we're going to raise hands. Uh, this is Alt-Y if you're using Windows, Option-Y on a Mac, the raise my hand option on your mobile device screen or uh, star nine if you are dialing in on the phone. So our first uh, person with a raised hand is Karen. And Karen, you're, uh, you should be allowed to talk. Hi, can you all hear me? Yep. Yes. Hi, Maria. Hey. Um, anyway, Steve, thank you for all this. And when you were talking about raise to wake, I missed where we find that. You probably said it, but I didn't hear it. So could you please repeat how we go about how we find that? Yes. <laughs> Just, uh, where did I was that? Uh, I'm looking again. Is it? Can I, I'll unmute myself. I mean, or mute. Yep, I will. Yep, go ahead. Thanks. Steve, we can actually answer this question and put a tip within it. Okay. So I, for example, this is Adam talking, by the way. I don't know where Raise the Wake is, but if your phone is fully updated, when you go to settings, at the very top of the settings, right underneath the word settings, is a search bar. In the search bar, I type the word Raise, and the first thing that popped up is Raise the Wake. iOS is great but iOS has a billion options within it, if you haven't uh, been able to tell. So whenever there's an option that I'm having trouble finding, but I know what it's called, I'll do a search for it and I'll let the iPhone do the work. And right when I type in raise, raise the wake is the first thing that popped up. I, uh, uh, you can swipe to it and tap it just to activate it. And then um, it gives you all the options that Steve was talking about right there. It's under, oh, by the way, it's under display and brightness. That's a strange place for that to be. Apple puts things in weird places sometimes, but... That's why I like the search function. Um, yeah, the search function is great. So I hope that helped you. All right, very good. And Melissa, you are next. Hi, can everybody hear me? Yes. Yep. Okay, great. So I um, was really intrigued by the lock orientation feature. And I was thinking, wow, how great if I could do this. So I feel like I'm missing something, but on my iPhone 7, which is what I have, I tried to swipe um, from the bottom of edge of the screen, which is what it says to do in what I read. And all it does is take me to edit mode, or it just like reads me the, um, the apps that I have. I tried a one finger swipe, I tried a two finger swipe, and it just does not, I can't get to the control center. I've got, I'm just going to ask you, are you trying to do it with voiceover turned on? Yes. When you have voiceover turned on, it's a three finger swipe up from the bottom and it's tricky to get it to work. And I was fiddling around with this yesterday and I'm going to turn voiceover on on my phone. So I apologize if you're hearing it at the same time. But I'm, the problem with it is when I turn voiceover on, like voiceover is focused on my messages app right now. 
And so it's like, you have to get voiceover off that messages app, because if I do a three finger swipe up, it's not going to do anything because it's focused on messages. And so what I found is if I tap on the top, like where the clock is and it says like 158, and then I take my fingers and I do a three finger swipe up from the bottom of the screen, it will bring up the control. I apologize. I'll repeat all this because my clocks are going off right now. But if I focus on the the top uh, part of the screen where the time is and where it tells you your battery, um, how much charge you have on your battery. The, what do they call that part of the screen? I'm the status bar, I think. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's like the status bar at the top of the screen. If you if you tap up there and you hear it say whatever time it is, then you know that voiceover is not focused on one of your apps on your main screen. And then you three finger swipe up from the bottom. You'll get the control center to come up. And the button that you're looking for in control center worked. I did it. It's called lock rotation. Yeah, it worked. Wow. I, I followed your instructions as you were saying that. And you have to be a genius to be able to play around with that and figure that out. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Right, you're welcome. You. I'm glad I could help. Okay. Thank you, Melissa. Next, we have Deborah, and you should be able to unmute. Hi, um, my question is with the select to speak. Um, what I don't understand is what gesture do you perform to select the text that you want spoken? Okay. Um, yeah, it's going to be different. What I'm thinking is for this particular question, at the end of this presentation, I'm gonna give my email address. And if you can email me on this one, I will send you back the step-by-step -step for this. Okay, thanks. All right, thank, thank you. you. This, is, this is Andrea. I, I love that we're getting questions, but we're only on number one and you have 10, right, Steve? No, we don't have, we don't have 10. We don't have 10. <laughs> this is not top 10 okay, technology. it's two. We have 40 minutes. We have 40 minutes left. Okay, so I think for now we'll do one more question and then we'll move, we'll move on. All right, so then we're going to have uh, Janice and you should be able to unmute yourself. And I've sent you an alert also that you can respond to. Okay, then we're going to move to uh, Paul and you should be able to unmute. Oh, oh Janice, there you Hello? are. Okay. Yes, go ahead. Here I am. I, just, I had to get my finger in the right spot. I'm on my iPhone. Okay. Um, yeah, I, had, I was doing dishes and I didn't, couldn't quite hear when you were talking about the, um, uh, the, turning on the magnification. I tried that the other day and I just couldn't get it to work. <laughs> okay. So if you want to turn on the magnifier, you're going to go to settings. And then what's great about the latest iteration of iOS is that they put accessibility right inside settings. So if you go down to accessibility mm -hmm. and then what you're going to do is it's down a little ways. You see voiceover, zoom, and then magnifier. You're going to turn magnifier on uh -huh. and that is all you have to do. Once it's turned on, 
then when you triple click the home button or the side button, depending on which phone you have, the magnifier will- I have a will... success. Okay, so you would triple click your home button. You, okay. Then the magnifier will come on for you. And oh, it basically okay. what it does is it's using your iPhone camera as an actual magnifier. And there's a slider on the yeah. bottom and you can, you can yes. make bigger. It's, okay. it's, it's fantastic. Oh, right. yeah, a friend of thank mine did. Uh, okay, thank you, Janice. I'm, I'm sorry, we do okay. have to move on. Thank, thank you, you so much. All right, folks, I'm going to clear out the remaining hands for this one and back to you, Steve, for the next topic. Steve, go ahead. Okay, um, I'm going to do two more things. Before I do that, I want to do um, the window stuff. Okay, so, you know, these days it's, it's, I'm sure a lot of people remember back in the day when the only way you could get a screen reader was if you paid for it. And Apple changed things in a big way when they implemented accessibility into their devices for free. You've got voiceover, you've got Zoom, which is magnifying your screen, and you've got you know the built-in magnifier for the camera and Siri and all these wonderful things. And they really set a precedent when they did that. And Microsoft decided that they needed to make the accessibility that they had put into Windows and really bring it to the forefront and make it better. So um, I think that I wanted to just spend a little bit of time kind of demonstrating and talking about narrator and magnifier in Windows 10 because they are both, in my opinion, very viable solutions for people without necessarily going out and having ZoomText Fusion or JAWS. And this is not to put down ZoomText Fusion or JAWS in any way because those programs have wonderful features in them that you can't get in other programs. And depending on your situation, before you look at those programs, you might start with either Narrator, which is the screen reader built into Windows 10, or Magnifier, which is like ZoomText built into, it's not ZoomText per se, but it's like having ZoomText built right into Windows. And so anyone at any time can turn Narrator on by holding down Control and the Windows key and pressing Enter. So control Windows Enter on any Windows 10 computer will turn on the Windows 10 built-in screen reader, which is called Narrator. If you want to turn it off, you press control Windows Enter again, and it shuts it off. So it's that easy to start and stop, and it's built right into Windows. And when we were at ACB last year in um, Rochester, Adam and I went to two presentations that Microsoft gave about Narrator and Magnifier, and we really learned that Microsoft is taking these two programs very seriously. Every time a Windows update comes out, they are adding features to both programs and they are updating them. So they're viable, they work, and um, they're definitely good solutions. So just, I'm gonna give you a couple of examples of things that you can do in Narrator because the first thing that I do when I hear about a new screen reader is I panic because I have been a JAWS user for 22 years. I was a Windows user. I use NVDA. I use VoiceOver. And the last thing that I want to do as a screen reader user is learn a whole set of new keystrokes. 
because I already have keystrokes I know in my brain and my brain's not getting any bigger as I get older. So I just want you to know that if you turn on narrator and you press insert T, it's going to read you the time, just like it does if you use JAWS. And that's really cool. If you turn on narrator and you start to use your arrow keys when you're in a document, it's going to read line by line as you arrow through the text. If you already know how to get to the Windows desktop with your screen reader by pressing Windows key and the letter M as in Mary or Windows key and the letter D as in dog, and you do that with narrator, it does the same thing. So it's really cool. It's a really viable solution and it works quite well if you have nothing else and you don't have a way to download a screen reader from the internet. It will get you through for the time being. It's really cool. The same thing with the Windows magnifier. You can turn the Windows magnifier on by pressing the Windows key and the plus key. You can turn it off by pressing the Windows key and the escape key. And once you're in the magnifier, you can make changes to it. You can have it magnify full screen. You can have it be like a lens where when you move the mouse pointer around, the lens moves around. Or you can have it be like a vertical line on the screen. And all these features that I'm telling you about in magnifier exist in Zoom Text and in Zoom Text Fusion. So they're not like, new features. Or you can also invert your screen with the Windows magnifier. So it's all built right in. And um, if anybody has like specific questions about Windows narrator or Windows magnifier, as I said, at the end of the presentation, I'm going to give out my email address and you can reach out to me and you can email me and I can put you in, I can either answer your question or I can put you in touch with, um, you know, resources that will help you. The other thing that I want to mention, I think a lot of people know about this already, but I'm going to give it out, is if you're having difficulty with a Microsoft product like Microsoft Office or Microsoft Edge, which is the, you know, the web browser in Windows or, you know, in Windows 10, and you are someone who uses a screen reader or any other accessibility feature in Microsoft, in Windows, you have access to free technical support from Microsoft. It's called the Microsoft Disability Hotline. A lot of people know about it, but not everyone does. So I'm just gonna throw out the phone number for, whoops. I've gotta get, <laughs> I have it in my phone here. I'm gonna give you the phone number for the Microsoft Disability Hotline. And I can tell you that I have called them and I have utilized them at times. And they have helped me and they have been able to do a remote session into my computer and help me to either answer a question or fix something that's not working properly. I would not suggest that you contact them if you need training because that's not what they're there for. But if something's going funky wrong with your machine and you, you need some assistance and you don't have anybody that can help you, um, they can remote into your machine and they can, they can fix things for you. So this is called the Microsoft Disability Hotline. And the number is 1-800-936-5900.
That's 1-800-936-5900. And I'm gonna back up one step because Apple has a similar phone number, which I'll also give you. If you're using any Apple device and you use VoiceOver or any other accessibility feature on an Apple device, you can call the Apple Accessibility Hotline. And that number is 877-204-3930. So that's 877-204-3930. I have spoken to both Apple support and Microsoft support over the years with different issues, whether it be my own issues or if I'm working with a student off site and I need assistance. And uh, I have been impressed with both Apple and Microsoft. Okay, so now what I want to do is I'm going to turn it over to Adam and he is going to show you some really cool things that are built into some of the web browsers that we use and some other stuff. All right, so with the time remaining, I'm going to share um, some cool tools that Steve and I have found while we've been uh, working together and we're going to start with a little story about an accidental discovery that Steve and I made on the job. And sometimes these are the best treasures of them all, so to speak. So Steve and I were working with a, uh, we're working with someone who, were they completely blind or low vision? I can't recall. Remember Steve? When you tell more of the story, I'll be able to tell oh, you. Oh, <laughs> for, um, for the Firefox reader view. Oh, oh, that was for an ind individual who is deaf and blind and actually had quite a bit of usable vision and they were trying to read a website that had tons and tons of uh, pictures and things scattered all over the place. So this, this particular person loved their soap operas. They had a particular show, a bunch of shows that they like to watch every week. And um, even when they were able to enjoy the shows, um, they liked to read synopsis, uh, plot summaries from those shows. Now, her favorite website where she got those summaries from happened to be very inaccessible. And when, I, when we say inaccessible, we mean when you're using a screen reader, the website is very hard to navigate. The reading order is all off. Um, it's not logical. It's not fun to visit as someone using assistive technology. So the person was saying, okay, now, uh, voice, uh, voiceover, I'm sorry. Um, screen reader's working, this is working, this is working, but this site doesn't work for me. So Steve and I at first were thinking, oh, maybe she needs additional training on the screen reader. And then I said, wait a minute, show me the website. She tells us how to get to it. I get to the website and I said, Steve, I know you can't see what I'm seeing, but this website has ads all over the place. The text that she wants to read is in the middle and she has to fight through all these ads to get there. I was like, this site, I can tell is the nightmare. And then when we were um, trying to use the keyboard shortcuts with JAWS and that kind of thing, the reading order was off. So not only was it littered with ads, it was also 
littered with inaccessibility. So I had a random idea and I was like, let's try this. We, are, we happened to be on Firefox at the time, which is a web browser, which is free to download on any device. And I think it works even on Apple nowadays. Um, and Firefox built in has something called reader view. When you go to a website, if you press F9, if the website has the capability of doing so, it will change the website into reader view. What that does is it finds the content and strips out all the ads, all of the noise, so to speak. And it does its best to isolate all the text, the text that you're actually trying to enjoy. Now that reader view happens to be something that we recommend all the time for people with print disabilities, um, ADHD, dyslexia, that kind of thing, because it gets rid of distractions. Well, not only that, it just so happens to help make some inaccessible sites much more accessible because it strips out all the noise, all the things that were hard to navigate, isolates the texts. It kind of is like visiting a website on your phone as opposed to the computer, where on the phone, the layout tends to be much more streamlined and simplified with less clutter. And it just so happened um, that it made that site much more readable for her. And I was like, oh my God, this is a treasure right here. Steve and I, are mind, <laughs> our minds were blown. You can do something similar on uh, Safari. Um, I don't remember what function key it is off the top of my head, but it's a similar idea where it's a button um, inside the address bar. It's either on the right side of the address bar or the left. I don't remember exactly, but I think it's called reader view as well on um, Safari. And if the site allows it to happen, not all sites work, you can turn that on, it strips off all the clutter, and it can make some websites that are made terribly much more readable. So we were like, yeah, that's definitely a treasure right there. Um, let's see, it's 2.16. We want to leave some time for some questions. So we'll use the last little bit before questions to talk about Android. So when I started working at New England Assistive Technology, everyone on the team was talking about how much they loved Apple. Um, at that time, I think I was using an Android device, but I was, it was very, it was close to the time where I needed to switch. Um, that phone was getting old. So I got an Apple because I was like, all right, well, if this team really likes Apple, if they're talking about how accessible it is, I need to learn all about that. So I got an Apple. But then after a couple of months, I was like, all right, this Apple device is great, but what about those who are using Android? Well, we happened to get an Android tablet into our lending library, and I wanted to explore it more because I was like, I know Apple's the most accessible, but what is Android doing nowadays? And I've been trying to keep up with it, but um, losing track here and there because they're actually doing a pretty darn good job. Every so often when I check it, they're adding new features and that kind of thing. And a lot of them um, either give Apple a run for its money or there are some things that Android does accessibility-wise that Apple doesn't, which has really surprised me. And one day I found a setting that I did not think that Apple had, and I'm pretty sure it doesn't, at least not easily obtainable. And I showed Steve and he's like, I had no idea. Adam, I'm happy you found this because we're very focused on Android, but we have to pay attention to Android too, just in case. So I'm gonna tell you a little about it right now. So 
If you have an Android device, either a phone or a tablet, and you have some usable vision, built into the Android operating system, there are some keyboard options that if you've ever seen a physical ZoomText keyboard, for example, with the yellow keys and the black text, you can actually have a digital version of that. And there's other uh, color options too. So much like on Apple, if you're on Android, you go to your settings, there's an accessibility menu. And in that menu, under visibility enhancements, there's a lot of settings and this is growing and growing. The one in, the one in particular I'm talking about is called high contrast keyboard. You can turn that on. After you turn it on, you can tap the text itself and it brings up a new page. And there's four options. There's yellow, um, there's yellow keys with black text, uh, black keys with white text, black keys with yellow text, and blue keys with white text, all of which have very good contrast. And the second you tap on one of the options, immediately Android will show you what the keyboard will look like if you choose that setting. I know you could do kind of something like that on Apple, but I think in order to do it, you have to download a separate app. And keyboard apps typically cost money. And the ones that I saw earlier today before this presentation didn't look like they had nice high contrast. They were colorful, but kind of hard on the eyes, especially um, if you have any um, vision challenges. So I really liked that. But in general, we really wanted to take a little bit of time to say, if you have an Android device, explore what accessibility has, because there are some things there that really surprised me. Remember how Steve earlier was talking about the magnifier built into Windows? Well, Android now has a magnifier built into Android that is very similar. You can either magnify the entire screen or you can have a lens on the screen that you can move around scrolling with two fingers. And then whenever you want that magnifier to have more power, you can zoom in with the typical outward pinch, which is really cool. Another thing that Android does, I would argue even better than Apple, and it feels really weird for me to say that, <laughs> is under the accessibility settings, if you go in there and explore, and you're like, oh, that sounds good, you turn something on. Oh, that sounds good, you turn it on. And then, I know this happens to me, after a little bit, I might be like, oh, wow, I turned on so many settings, I don't even remember like what I turned on, or, oh, this setting I turned on, I don't think I like it. Where did I find that? If you go to accessibility, the second you turn something on, they add everything you turned on to a button at the top of the accessibility page. And it will say something like using five functions. That would be if I had five functions on, for example. If you touch that button, it makes a drop-down list listing everything you currently have on. And right there, you could easily... Uh, keep them on by not doing anything or turn them off. So you don't have to worry about, oh man, I turned on all these settings. Where were they? I don't like this particular one. I really like how Android organizes everything. It's very user-friendly and I feel like it promotes exploration, which I thought was really cool. Let's see, what time is it? 2.21. I think now would be a great time to stop for questions because I know we also need to stop a little bit early for the exit codes and that kind of thing.
So let's do that. Before okay, sure. So again, we're going to raise hands if you'd like to ask a question. Alt Y on PC, Option Y on Mac. Raise my hand option in on your mobile device screen and star nine if you're dialing in. And we do have already five hands. All right. So first we will go to Terry and you should be able to unmute yourself. Thank you. Um, is there a comparable reader view for Chrome? That's And my other part of the question is, if there is not a comparable reader view for Chrome, is there an easy way to switch between browsers? Because I find that Firefox sometimes reads things that Chrome won't and vice versa. And every time I switch browsers, I have to answer, do you want this to be your default? And I have to say no or yes, and that takes time. Is there any way to switch browsers quickly and efficiently? Thank okay. you. So I just want to say that Adam is going to answer the question about Chrome, but I want to say one thing that I do recommend to my students is that you do have multiple browsers because what you just said is 100% true. Certain browsers just work better, but they're not, you, you, you won't find that Chrome is 100% great on everywhere and you won't find that Firefox is great everywhere and you won't find that Edge is great everywhere. So it, it's good to have more than one. And another reason why it's good to have more than one is if you only have one and that browser crashes, you can't get to the internet to fix it. Um, so we always recommend that you have two. Um, Adam is going to tell you about uh, the reader view in Chrome. Before I jump to that, though, I hear the question about, is there an easier way to jump from one browser to the next? And to be honest, that's a good point. I never thought about if there's a way to, for example, turn off those pop-up messages like, do you want to make Firefox the default browser? I'm not sure if there's a way to do that. I'd have to look into that. And I'd be happy to do that. Um, um, maybe this would be another great person um, to get your email to, Steve, and then we can get back to them for that because that's a question that I kind of want to look into myself. I bet there's a way to turn off that message, but if there's not, at least we can look into it and find out for sure. Right. Because I deal with that all the time too. I, I think I'm just used to it, but I hear you. It definitely can take time. So in Chrome, not by default, it doesn't come built in for some reason, but there is a reader view extension. So it's something you have to download, but it's free and it is called reader view. Um, the person that made it, it's called yochris.dev, Y-O-K-R-I-S dot D-E-V. I just did a search for reader view and the icon is very similar to the icons from um, the other uh, web browsers for reader view. Um, it's the most, it's the big, I mean, there are other ones whenever there's an extension or an app, you know, other people try to mimic it, but this one has over 100,000 plus users. So if you find the one with the most downloads, you know, you found the right one. And it's very, very similar to the one that I was talking about for Firefox and for Safari. So again, it's called reader view. You just, you just have to download it. It's free. And it's an extension on Chrome. The reason that we covered the Firefox one was because that one, you don't have to download the extension. It's built into Firefox. And it's possible that as they update Chrome, they may put it in there mm -hmm. because other browsers like Safari and Firefox have it already as part of their, um, 
their browser. Yep, that very well could happen. We see that kind of thing all the time. All right, very good. Next, do we have Melissa, and you should be able to unmute yourself. Oh, hang on, she went away. Um, it accidentally unmuted me. Um, this is Sean. Oh, so okay. You, do you, Thank is you. it I'm okay sorry. if I, I she go? Might have, she might have yeah. lowered her hat. Yeah, why don't you go so ahead and I'll. What I was going to say is if you get the um, the new version of Edge and with JAWS, you'll know you have it because if you do insert Q, it will talk about Chrome settings. So if you have the new Edge, F9 will also work in that. This is the Edge that's based on Chromium. And if you launch Edge and it talks about getting a new browser, do it because the new edge is awesome and the old edge, well, not so much. Um, but the new edge has reader in it. And it's, and it's F9 as well. That's great. So you know, we, I didn't know that. We, that's awesome. We, we learned something today. Yes. Yeah. And that's, the new, the new edge is fantastic. And it's, it's Chrome based too. So if you yes. like Chrome, get, it's, get the new it's edge awesome. Yep. All right. That's Thank all you I had. so much for reminding us about that. All right, thank you, Sean. I'm going to, um, Melissa, I'm not sure if you, if I accidentally lowered your hand or if you did, but in, in case you need- I lowered my hand because they answered my question. Oh, okay, oh, perfect, okay. That literally must have just been a timing thing. I saw your hand and it yep. lowered, so, okay. All right, thank you, just wanted thank to Thank you, check. though. Yep, all right, very good. So next, uh, let's see, next we have uh, Paul, and Paul, you should be able to unmute yourself. And let's okay, I'm here. Oh, um, there you go. Yeah, I'm here. Um, I have a question about orientation. I always use portrait, but I've discovered um, that I'm trying to use Braille screen input a lot more. And of course, even if you're locked in portrait, it will switch you to um, landscape. And other apps, some other apps do that as well, I think. My question is, is there a way to determine which way uh, landscape is oriented? Uh, whether the home button, what used to be the home button is to the right or to the left, and is there a way for to change that? When you change your orientation, voiceover should be telling you where the home button is located. So like if you flip the device and it goes from portrait to landscape, it should say landscape, home button to the right, or home button to the left. It should be telling you that. All right. I I muted because there was some background noise. Um, yeah, sorry. Paul, did you come back? Oh, okay. I wasn't sure who that was. Okay. Um, I think, Paul, was that the end of your question? Okay. All right. It sounds like it. So, okay. Um, next, let's see here. Next, we will go to Nora. And Nora, you should be able to unmute yourself. <clears throat> I think. Can you hear me? Yep, there you are. Yes. Okay. Um, mine are really more a couple in a way of comment. Um, first of all, if she braille, if it if it changes your orientation for you, that is within the app. And generally speaking, I think the home button does stay to the right when that happens. Um, and because that's not you changing it, that's the app changing it. Uh, there's some games and stuff that do that too. Uh, you can have your thing in, in portrait and it'll change it to landscape because that's how the game played up, laid out. So um, the other thing is I wanted to clarify about the locker, the lock orientation. That is not available on the iPhone because the iPhone doesn't flip when you turn it sideways. 
Um, it's only available on the tablet, and I just double checked my iPhone to make sure. And I've got uh, iOS 10. Uh, I've got 10s. Um, so it's even newer than you guys. It's not there. But I wanted to bring that up partly to avoid confusion because if you go to the um, where raise to wake and text size and bold all under display and brightness, there is something there that says auto lock. That is not about orientation. That is in order to keep your screen from dimming out on you. If you click it to never, it, your screen will not dim out while you're trying to use it after like five or 10 minutes to save power. I have mine on never, so it never dims out so that it doesn't get too dark for me to read it. So hopefully that helped. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for um, sharing that information. All right. Thank you, Nora. And next here we, one second. Um, next we have uh, Rachel. And Rachel, you should be able to unmute yourself. Hi, thank you so much for your presentations. Um, I just had a quick question about Android. I was wondering, do the Android devices have, uh, I guess, color invert? classic like the iPhone does? I think that's what it's called under iPhone, a, a classic invert. So thank you. Yes, it, yeah, great question. It's not called classic invert, but I'm pretty sure it's what you're um, describing. It's called color inversion. It's under visibility enhancements, just like um, everything else that I was talking about. And it does exactly that. It inverts all the colors. So the vast majority of everything will have a black background with, with white text. Um, and it inverts everything, so some things might be kind of funky color-wise, but I think that's what you meant by classic, so yes. All right, very good. Sandy, you are next, and you should be able to unmute yourself. Am I muted? Uh, you're unmuted. We can hear oh, you. Oh, good. I have a question. I use touch typing on the iPhone. That's been a godsend. But sometimes when I put too much pressure on, it gets into alternative characters. Is there a way to stop that? You can change. Maybe. <laughs> you can. There, there's something. I forget what it's called. Give me, give me a second. Um, okay. Hold duration. No, not that one. There is an option that you can change long press. Okay. So by default, what you I think what's happening to you to you is when you press and hold the key for about a second, the alternative uh, keys show up. That's called a long press. Long press is looks like it's under. No, this is for switches. Wait a minute. <laughs> Trying to answer this too quickly. I know there's an option for this. Why don't, does this sound like maybe so that you're not on the spot right now, Adam? Does it sound like this is a good question to email you two about? I was just going to say, <laughs> I know there's some kind of setting for it where you can change how long is required to press down before those other options show up. I just don't remember off the top of my head. Let's make that an email question. That's a great question. Okay, very good. Next, we have Becca. And Becca, you should be able to unmute yourself. Hello. Um, 
I was wondering, I heard you mentioned about the video view, like Safari, but in Edge. You do that by doing F9, right? That doesn't seem to be working for me. Yeah, I was trying to press F9 too, um, just after we were reminded about it on Edge. Um, but I think the uh, Sean had said that the way that that works is you have to you have to have the new edge for it to work, which is based on. Oh, now it's working for you. Yeah, I'm just pressing F9 and I can turn it on. F9. Hmm. Excellent. All right. Well, it should work. Okay. Well, good luck with that, Becca. Next. This is this is Andrea. Would um, Steve or Adam, if that's not working, would that would that be a good reason to call the Microsoft Disability Line and ask them for assistance? What I would do before I call them is go ahead and make sure that your your device, whether it's a laptop or PC, make sure it's fully up to date with the latest version of Windows 10, and make sure Edge is fully updated because that that they would ask you, and if you've already done that, then that helps them to get to the next step in, in assisting you. And sometimes things don't work because a person might be a version behind and they don't have a, a particular feature. So I would go ahead and make sure all of my software is up to date before I contacted Microsoft. But that's a good suggestion, Andrea, thank you. All right, next we have Stephanie and Stephanie, you should be able to unmute yourself. Um, yes, I, I have a couple of, it's more comments and an answer to the last person's question about the long press, mm -hmm. general uh, keyboards. And then if you uncheck uh, character preview, you won't get any preview, but voiceover will still say the letter. And that will turn <laughs> off that item. That's interesting. That's, and, <laughs> that's a very interesting. The other comment I have is uh, for those, I, I'm in your boat, I use, I read sometimes, sometimes I use voiceover, sometimes I use Zoom, uh, I use the magnifier quite a bit, and so those things, because I use them quite a bit, and for instance, sometimes I'll use the, the font enlargement off and on, I put them in my um, control center so I have easy access to them no matter what, so if I'm on the lock screen and I want to use the magnifier, I can activate my control panel and pick out the magnifier. And so um, in uh, settings under control center, you can then choose customize control center and you'll have several items that it will show that were already in there with a red dot next to them, which is a minus. You can remove them from the control center. And then below that, you're gonna have a number of items that have plus signs next to them and you can add them to your control center. Once you have your list of stuff you want in your control center, you can rearrange it. That's just my comments. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Thank you for sharing. I was gonna cover that today. And, and one of the things that is so hard when you're giving a presentation like this is trying to decide, oh, what can I cover? Because there's so much that can be covered that we could be here for a week and not know, not know everything. And I was, it's very hard to pick out what to cover. All right, next we, next we have Melanie, and Melanie, you should be able to unmute yourself. Okay, I think I'm unmuted. Indeed. Um, I wanted to um, just um, say a couple of quick comments. 
in response to a couple of the other questioners, the gentleman who asked about Braille screen input and knowing where your home button is, um, I think you may have turned hints off because when I used to have hints on, uh, it used to always tell me which way to turn my phone um, when I switched to Braille screen input. Um, and since I've turned it off, it doesn't anymore. So um, if you want that, I would check that. Also, um, the lady that asked about um, lock rotation um, for locking your phone in, orient in the orientation of your phone, it is in fact in the control center for the latest iPhones and the latest um, iteration of iOS, because I'm running 13, whatever the latest one is on a 10R, um, but it's toward the bottom of the control center. So you have to go into the control center with the three fingers swipe up like Adam and Steve demonstrated, and then go scroll down to lock rotation, and that will let you lock it in either or uh, portrait or landscape mode in any of the Phone. So it's, it is on the phones, not just the tablet. So hope that helps. And thank you. This was good. I learned some some good things too, Erin, this process. You're welcome. All right. Thanks, Melanie. Next, we have a phone number that is ending in 4860, and you should be unmuted. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, just clear up a few things. Who, who, is, um, who is this? Identify yourself, oh. please. Oh, my name is Spencer. I'm from uh, from okay. I'm in Arizona. All right, thanks, Spencer. So a couple of things. Uh, first of all, in the web browsers, uh, whether it's Firefox, Edge, or Chrome, not all websites are compatible with Reader View. Um, so if you if you can't activate Reader View, it's possibly because the website is not programmed to um, accept that. Older versions of Edge will use Control Shift R to turn on Reader View. Um, the new version of Edge um, uses F9. When you're in iOS, uh, we mentioned uh, the lady just mentioned that you can turn on lock screen through the you know through the um, menu there. But uh, also, um, if you, uh, you you can set up a quick uh, shortcut or multiple shortcuts to choose from. If you triple click the either the home button or the power button on the side of the iPhone. Um, and there was one other thing that I wanted to correct. Oh, um, if you're going to be using um, the, uh, the the temporary screen reader on iOS. That is called Speak Screen. Um, if you if you swipe down with two fingers, you have to swipe down from the very very top edge of the of the of the screen above the uh, display. Actually, um, it's not the same uh, two finger swipe as uh, a voiceover read all. And <clears throat> so I just wanted to correct that as well. Thanks for your presentation. Thank you. Okay. I think we Maria? should probably do yes. this. Yes, Andrea. It's there are five minutes, so if we can probably take one more question, and then we'll have to stop and do the um, and do the ending the end bits. Yes, and we'll have you as part of the ending as well, Steve. If you could kindly give your email, so since we, we just, yes. uh, yeah, we we mentioned just to get those it, so. end codes. All right, wonderful. So uh, our last question then will be from Sean, and Sean, you should be able to unmute yourself. So for the person having difficulty with the alternate characters. That's a voiceover setting. You need to go into the voiceover settings and go to typing. And there's an option that says delay um, because it's initially for slide to type, but that also I believe applies to the alternate characters. So that is a voiceover setting that 
needs to be changed. Character preview does not affect that. Uh, at least it shouldn't. It's a voiceover setting under the typing screen. Okay. Great. Thank, Thank you, you Sean. And um, Andrea, are you still? It's one two forty one. Do you want to uh, still proceed yes, with ending? Let's, uh, yes. Let's do one? another question. Thank you. Okay, we'll do one more question then. All right, that will be Donna. Donna, you should be able to unmute yourself. I just wanted to make a suggestion um, because there's been so much interest. Uh, I would suggest that they um, maybe uh, get with Cindy and see if she, they can do or willing to do a uh, community call um, to further this conversation because there's been a lot learned and I'm sure that there's more that can be learned. We really appreciate your efforts. All right. Very good. Thank you, Darla. This is referring to the ACB community calls. All right. So with that, then um, we will uh, end with questions. Um, Andrea, do you want to say anything before I give out the ending CEU code? Yes. Or I, Steve as well. Steve, do you want to give your, your email uh, and your contact info that you mentioned earlier about folks emailing you with the questions from today? That Yes. So my email address is, I'm going to tell you how it's constructed and then I'll give it to you. It's my first name with a period, then my last name at oakhillct.org. So my email address is Steve, S as in Sam, T as in Tom, E as in Echo, V as in Victor, E as in Echo, period. And then my last name, which is Famagletti. So it's F as in Frank, A as in Apple, M as in Mary, I as in India, G as in Go, L as in Lima, I as in India, E as in Echo, T as in Tom, T as in Tom, I as in India, at Oak Hill, O-A-K-H-I-L-L-C-T dot O-R-G. And maybe we can publish that somewhere too for folks. Uh, yeah, we could, uh, if you'd like to do that, we could, uh, put that on the GDUI list. Um, yes. That, yep. Yeah, so we can do um, that. This is Andrea. I, I apologize for starters. I did not mention it, and I'm very remiss in not having mentioned that this um, session that we've just all been at was generously and fabulously co-hosted by ACB students. And I'm so sorry to all of you who are ACB students from that special interest affiliate who I forgot, I just forgot to do that. So I'm so sorry. Um, I wanna thank Steve and Adam, you guys are fabulous. Anytime I've been lucky enough to work with you, I've always learned a lot and I, I learned a lot today. I want to thank everyone who's come to this session and for everyone's questions and interest. And I want to encourage everyone to stay for our next session, we will be announcing our raffle winner, okay. and um, that's what we'll be doing at our next session, as long as, as well as learning about a really interesting uh, experience in Alaska. And before you leave, before you leave, for those of you who have paid for CEU credits again, here comes the ending code for this session. And again, I'm going to repeat this twice. And then I will not be able to give it after. So again, five character code, mix of letters and numbers, not case sensitive. So it is the number seven and then F as in Foxtrot. The number is three, three, six. So again, that's the number seven, F as in Foxtrot. 
the numbers three, three, six. And that is the uh, end of the CEU code. So back to you, Andrea, if you'd like to say, say anything um, else. And otherwise, yes, folks, do stay with us at the same link. The next presentation will begin at 3 p.m. And it, too, is going to have separate CEU codes. Thank you so much, Maria. You're an amazing um host um, or what's your what's matrix. your what's your what matrix i've been uh, called you're, from a, yesterday. you're a, mon a monetary <laughs> that's great and have uh, we'll see you all back at three